Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, the number one podcast for people who have Lyme disease and those who love them. Every journey through Lyme disease is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just won't work. You need ninja skills. I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 146 with Lyme Ninja, Allison Perch. Also, welcome with me to the studio, our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello. And in this episode, you will learn about how Allison and her family handled her relapse uh, with Lyme disease after her child was born, her Facebook group for mothers with Lyme disease, and how Allison supports her family and helps them understand her Lyme journey. Okay, thank you, Aurora, and do you have a Ninja Nugget for us this week? I do. I do. The Ninja Nugget today is that Valneva, which is a French biotech company, received an FDA fast-track designation for their Lyme disease vaccine. Dun-dun-dun! I know, right? So here are the facts that I found from this research, from this uh article. Um, they recently competed, completed phase one, uh, which is a subject enrollment, and they're expecting to announce their first results in 2018, and they are planning to accelerate their vaccine's development. Uh, Valneva recently completed subject Enrollment for ongoing phase one study of its Lyme disease vaccine candidate. The study is being conducted at three sites, two in the U.S. and one in Europe, that is Belgium more specifically, with combining approximately 180 subjects aged between 18 and 40 years. The primary objective of the observer-blind, partially randomized dose Escalation study is to evaluate the vaccine candidate safety and tolerability profile at different dose levels and formulations. Thanks, Aurora. And we all have mixed feelings about vaccines based on their history here in the U.S. It's a little bit reassuring that this group is coming from outside the U.S., and so hopefully they don't have the baggage that the old vaccine does. We'll be interested to see and follow along what happens with the safety part of this trial and whether or not they're able to move on. Vaccines are very difficult to formulate, and sometimes the trials, same with medications, the trials look so promising, but they don't make it past phase one. So we will keep an eye on this for you. Yes, indeed. Also want to know, let you know, that let you know that Hans is the winner of our Keto OS giveaway. So Hans, we've sent you an email. Woohoo! Woo-hoo! Yes. Congratulations. And you've earned yourself one. Got lucky enough. Yeah. I don't earns a well, maybe you've earned it too. Well luck is something you can earn, I okay. guess. <laughs> earned luck. You've earned your luck. Anyway, Hans won and we'll be sending his month of keto OS as soon as we get it. Address for him. So if you're listening, Hans, just send it to us at info at limeninjaradio.com and we'll also contact you by email. Also, I want to give you a quick arm date, uh, kind of dovetails in with the Keto OS. 
since I went on a super strict keto. Well, maybe some of you don't even know. I had uh, what I believe is a Lyme flare and really more viral related. So essentially Bell's palsy for my brachial nerve. It didn't move. My arm stopped moving. So it just went completely flaccid and really couldn't uh, lift anything, couldn't hold anything, couldn't even lift the weight of my hand. Uh, I had to move my hand with my my left hand. It was my right arm. Luckily, I still had use of my fingers, but I couldn't do things like hold a cup of coffee. I couldn't put a fork up to my face, couldn't brush my teeth, that sort of things. Many people have had similar symptoms uh, with Lyme disease. So that's why I think it was Lyme related. Now, it's called Parsonage Turner syndrome. And in, their, in the literature, they have various ideas of what causes it. And one of the main causes is infection related. So that's, that's the basics. What turned things around was around July 4th, I really got off my no sugar kick and had some ice cream and had some crepes. My One of my daughter makes these delicious crepes, and she made a special red, white, and blue crepe that had yep. strawberries. White chocolate. White chocolate mm. and blueberries in the crepe. And, and anyway, I had one or two. So my keto low-carb diet went out the window. So after that, I decided to get really strict again and went on a two-day fast. All I had for two days was salad and olive oil on the salad, a little bit of vinegar, salt and pepper. And that really jump-started. I was measuring my ketones. I was blowing red in the ketonics. And since that point, the acceleration in the healing of my arm has been remarkable. So up to that point, it had been slow and steady, kind of one of those things where, did it get better today? Well, yeah, I think so. And looking back over the week, but after doing that, I could see a difference day to day. So the ketogenic diet in terms of healing my particular nerve injury here what is, has been and continues to be absolutely remarkable. I make progress every day. There's more strength and more movement. It's, it's really phenomenal. So that's something you may want to look into. And one of the things I was doing to help myself was taking the, the keto OS along with it. So I've been taking about one package a day with that to help boost my ketones even more into a therapeutic range. So I know some of you have been following along. We've been giving arm, arm updates at the end of the session, but I just wanted to put this in the beginning. It really, getting on a ketogenic diet made a huge difference. We have quite a few interviews with keto experts uh, about 20, 30 episodes ago. You might want to look those up if you're having neurological Lyme disease symptoms. And lastly, uh, this episode is a rebroadcast. It's a best of. And based on our last interview with Robin Shirley, number 145, that was last week, I wanted to bring in a different perspective because Robin Shirley's take on Lyme disease was she's just made total inner peace with it. And that's an incredible thing to do, and it can be incredibly difficult. She's worked on her meditation, simply being skills quite a bit, and is really riding the wave of emotions uh, with with such grace that you you can admire it, but it takes some doing to get there. And I just want to give you a juxtaposition, Allison's interview, which is such a different approach. And now, not that she panicked and was totally emotional, but instead of 
just letting things go. She really took an incredibly proactive approach to her pregnancy and dealing with Lyme disease. And she runs uh, support groups for mothers with Lyme disease, too. So want to continue this thing of moms with Lyme disease. I think it's a very important thing. You don't want to put your life on hold just because you have Lyme disease. And if you already have children, you can't put your life on hold. There's no doubt about that. Nope. Okay, I think that covers it all. Yes, I think it does. All righty. So, Aurora, tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Allison Perch. Okay. Allison Perch was 27 when she was finally diagnosed with Lyme disease and spent years after that getting treatment, getting married, uh, hurtsing, relapsing, and getting better again. After she had gotten married, she wanted to start a family, but was worried about transmitting the disease to her child. A family member volunteered to be a surrogate, and she was able to have a baby girl. Thanks, Aurora. And here's our interview with Allison Perch. Good morning, Allison. It's McKay Rippey from Lion Ninja Radio. Hi, how are you? Good. Is it raining down there near Philly like it is up here? Yes, it is horribly miserable. It's a shame because <laughs> it was a beautiful day yesterday. We were in the pool, and now today it's like cold and yucky, and yeah. <laughs> It's a, little, a cold day today, so. yeah, it's a little bit like spring still, isn't it? Yes. I hate when this weather is back and forth, back and forth. It just needs to stay in one place. <laughs> I think that's uh, Southern California, right? No, we're, right, we're in Pennsylvania. So we're right outside of about 45 minutes north of Philadelphia. So the weather is always kind of, and it's been really strange this year. I don't know, because our winter was really rough, and then I feel like we actually skipped spring and just went right to summer. <laughs> it did. It went from, up here, it went from snow to uh, to 80. Yeah, and yeah. So you you're, are, you're, are you're in New York, right? Yeah, I'm in central New York, so okay. north and north and west of you. Okay. Yeah, the weather is just, it's funny. Some days I'm like, oh, I would love to move like somewhere warmer, but then I think I would miss my winters because I do really like the winters. Like we have a fireplace, you know, we like to sit by the fire. So yeah, that's always kind of a nice part about winter. Well, see, that's why I was suggesting Southern California because it's, you know, the same every day. I know. It's funny. We have, well, we have family um, out there that we actually, the last time I visited them was when I was about 16, but that weather was just like so nice. It was like 75, 77, practically the whole time. We were only about, I want to say like 30 minutes from the Hollywood area, so it was definitely beautiful weather. So, But they just yeah. substitute complaining about the traffic, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> of course, silly traffic's no better either, so. That's why I don't go into the city a whole lot anymore. It's funny how much I traveled there in my 20s, and now I'm just like, oh, I don't want to deal with the traffic. Isn't that... I'll let my husband deal with it because I don't want to deal with it. So before... <laughs> crazy I'm, I'm on what's left over of a dairy farm. So we have 30 acres. I grew up in the middle of uh, Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. And oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, and uh, neighbors across the street are still farming. They've got an organic dairy, and uh, across the other street is uh, uh, fields that the the farmers up the the hill um, have. And really, this whole area oh, is cool. is is open. So there's there's people get upset if they have to stop behind a school bus, kind of thing. Traffic here. <laughs> so when we were in Baltimore, um, yeah. my wife. Uh, took the subway into her work at Hopkins and it took her about an hour each way. And I would drive into mm-hmm. the city and depending, depending on traffic, it could be 35 minutes or an hour and five. Oh minutes, yeah. Very right. Yeah. And so we get up here and 
we we move into our we rent the house to start off with. So we come home. The kids are finished with home. We've had a sit down dinner. Their homework's done. It's still light outside, and we're staring at each other. What what do we do? Because we gain two hours out of the day not having to sit in traffic. Yeah. Just Isn't that so, nice, though? Yeah, so much less it stress. Nice. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I have friends that commute. Even my husband, he used to commute, and I, I hated it, too, and I worried about him being on the road. Now it's so nice because yeah. of his new job. He's only five minutes from our house, so it's like, I love it. I don't worry as much. <laughs> but yeah, but that traffic, I mean, it takes up your whole day, and then you're exhausted and stressed out. Like, you've got your job to deal with, and then you got to deal with the commute, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's really funny. You said an organic farm too. My aunt actually has an organic farm. Yeah. Um, yeah, she does everything like antibiotic free. Um, pretty much, you know, she doesn't use any chemicals with her her animals or anything. So, you know, they're all pretty fed, pretty good. So it's, it's nice having that close by. That's one thing I do love about living in our small town because you have more access to places like that um, versus other areas, but. Yeah, she raises all that antibiotic free. We're constantly eating her food. She just raises um, turkeys and cows, and um, like she does everything from like turkey bacon, scrapple. Like you know, we get her turkey grillers and and everything. It's, you know, antibiotic free, which is great for my daughter and I because we you know try to stick with all that diet. Yeah, the, but it's the... amazing the difference of taste too in food when mm-hmm. you're eating that food compared to like regular. It's always crazy to me. It is they, they right taste. they they taste different for sure, mm-hmm. and I think better once I got kind of used to oh my oh, goodness I agree. right beef actually yeah. has some flavor to it. Even um, grass fed beef when I cook with grass fed beef oh my gosh the aroma in the kitchen is like totally different yeah. compared to regular meat when I cook it. And it's so it's important crazy. like you said with people with Lyme we have enough poison in us we don't need to be taking exactly extra enough long, toxins. Right? Yeah, I know, and that's been my biggest issue is just all that she's constantly telling me, you know, my viruses are way down and better now and stuff, but now it's just the biotoxin issues I keep dealing with, so it's like mostly that's making me so sick right now. Of course, now I popped up with that NTHFR stuff, so now we're trying to figure that all out now, too. So that's been kind of our new thing, which I haven't even had my daughter tested with all that, so. Well, if she's suffering, uh, it's pretty much assumed she's got one of the variants. Yeah, well, that's what she said. She said, most likely, if I've got ones, and she does too. But luckily, I didn't really have as bad as the ones that I think she expected me to have. So my doctor was pretty happy with the appointment when I saw her last. You know, mm-hmm. she was expecting worse results for me. Right. So she was happy about that. But so you I know to... she's still concerned about mold and all that stuff, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we had our house tested and had my parents' house tested since they live next door. And we're over here all the time. and um, But, you know, nothing popped up. But uh, Good. she's still, I think, a little concerned about that just because of my headaches and stuff being so bad the last few years. So I think mm-hmm. that's what her biggest concern was. But she just did a full workup, like blood workup on me. And she said, I'm just going to do this. And, and she said, I'll stop bugging you about the mold. <laughs> okay. so she said, I just want to know for sure. She said, I don't know why I feel like they're still being sensitive somewhere. So, but yeah, I hope it's not the case because I have so many friends that just can't get rid of that with the mold issues. It's just sad to see how many of them suffer from all those problems with it. I don't think people realize how bad it can be with Lyme, unfortunately. I really can. So you have Lyme yourself too, right? Yeah. I got, how you got into it? Okay. I got Lyme and got some antibiotics early and some other herbal treatments and some acupuncture. So it seems to be still hiding under rocks inside me if it's okay. still there. So it really, okay. eh, it's not that much of an issue, I think. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it and makes, your family, the rest of your family is pretty healthy too. Are they okay? Yeah, 
I mean, there's, you know, we're not, uh, we're not the poster children for, for healthy families. Uh, yeah. But there's the only one who seems to have an issue. And we, I think at this point, she got Bartonella from one of our cats. Probably, um, yeah. at, at some point. So, but it's not a Lyme, it's not a Lyme thing. Like a Lyme thing. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So, Barton, Barton, I'll give you a good. Yeah, so she has aches and pains and it's kind of unusual. It turns everybody else in. And for the first, I don't know, 10 years of what well, she's complaining about, you know, her shoulders and her joints and just being whiny, I just, she tends to be a little bit more of a whiny child anyway. That's mm-hmm. what I thought yeah. she was just whining. But in retrospect, I probably should have been kinder to her. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know. I know. It's so hard to was girls. I hate to say it, but my daughter, she's just whiny in general too. I think it's a girl mentality too. My mom always said I was. My mom always said I was a little worse than my sister. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's also personality too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the other. So I have three daughters, and the other two don't particularly whine. Um, but this, yeah. <laughs> but this one does a little bit. You know, from time to time, she gets tired. She whines. The other ones just mm-hmm. kind of get grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, like I do. I get grumpy when I get tired. <laughs> well, the girls you deal with, like the attitude and all that, we're going through that with my daughter now being three years old. It's like the sassiness is already coming out. Like I said to my husband, if it is like she's a preteen already, then she's one three years old. Like, it's insane. <laughs> it's like to deal with it this early on with her. <laughs> That's funny. It seems to, that flows more toward the mother than toward the father. Yeah. They're our oh, little, yeah. They're our little princesses, and they yeah. they behave for us much better than they oh, do for yes. my wife. No, she does. You're all right. She behaves way better for my husband than she does. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> it eventually turns around. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, I promise. I know. I know. It's so funny because I think about the stuff I put my mom through sometimes around. Like, I was a pretty relatively good child. My sister was always kind of the more harder one, but I remember... I'm going to say junior high. Like, we were actually talking about the other day. My mom's like, oh, did you tell my husband? She's like, oh, yeah, Allie had a mouth on her for, like, a good year. She's <laughs> like, that was her problem. She had the mouth. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure my daughter's going to be the same way. She's already acting like that at three. So, so does your daughter, your daughter has Lyme? Yeah, she got the Lyme, um, which is just what's so crazy about our story. But we decided to do surrogacy because I had just gotten off IV at that point. I had done it from... 2007 to about 2010, and it was like October 2010, I had gotten off. And then we kind of started talking about planning a family, but I didn't feel like at that point, like my body felt prepared enough to have a baby, and I was still concerned because I was still having issues, and I thought, I don't want anything passing on. And, you know, and I see, <clears throat> I see Dr. Ann Corson, who, you know, is pretty well literate with um, pediatric Lyme, but you know, and she, she felt like I could do it, but she said, you know, well, I, you know, let's get you well enough for like, you know, another year or so. And, you know, at the time, my husband and I just, I didn't want to wait and I wasn't feeling like I could count on my health at that time. I mean, I'd been married six years already and, you know, we were just ready to have a family. So I just, after a lot of research and a lot of talking, we just decided to use a surrogate. And um, mm. first we went to an agency that then realized how expensive it was to hire somebody so then we were thinking more along the lines of adoption, but then we had a family member that just stepped up to the plate. It was um, my uh, mom's brother's wife. Hmm. So she's an aunt more by marriage, and she just stepped up and said, I want to do this for you. And I just was floored. I just didn't expect any family member to just step up and do that. I mean, I know my sister had offered, but 
you know, she had never had kids before, and that's like one stipulation. IVF doctors won't really deal with you unless you've had a baby already, right, I think, because, right. you know, complications, things like that. Yeah. And she had never been married, never had kids. So when my aunt stepped up, it was just, it was shocking, and it was wonderful, and wow. so that's what we did. We we took on that journey, and about a year and a half later, Hannah was born. So, yeah, and everything really went smoothly. I mean, we couldn't have asked for a better pregnancy. I mean, we our first transfer, we did IVF transfer. Everything went great. We got hmm. pregnant immediately, and, you know, everything went great. And, I mean, I think, you know, we had asked my doctor a lot of questions, you know, if we had to be concerned about, you know, things passing. She didn't feel like we did, but, however, she said to me, you know, I just, you know, I think we should do testing at first just to be sure. on the safe side of the yeah. baby. You know, but like, none, I don't think really any of us really thought that it was going to come back positive. So when mm-hmm. they called me, she was, Hannah was about 14 days old. And when they called me and told me that she had it, I just was in shock. I just remember oh. being in shock probably for the next three, four months because, you know, I didn't want her to go through everything I went through. I'm not saying my childhood was horrible, but it was hard, you know, and I really missed out on a lot of stuff when I was a kid. And I didn't really want that for her. When you know did you, I mean? when did so you get your Lyme disease? You know, it's so hard to say because my mom, that I was never a healthy kid from the time I was like in kindergarten, but hmm. I started having like social anxiety issues with school, school phobias. I can remember being sick in the bathroom almost every day before school already in first grade. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I had a lot of belly ache issues then. And, um, I think everybody was chalking it up to me just being a very emotionally sensitive kid. Of course. So I think nobody really thought of me, but I, you know, I was kind of shy at times, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a chatterbox, apparently, but I was still, you know, kind of <laughs> more shy, apparently, my mom said. So I think they just played it off as that, but then it wasn't until, I want to say, like, because I remember we were on vacation down in South Carolina, and I had gotten bit by, I want to say, probably 20, 25 mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. And they welded up, like, huge sizes yeah. Yeah. on my body, and I felt so sick. And yeah. I remember having really bad headaches that week um, and sort of like I just didn't feel good and then we came home from vacation and I just wasn't getting any better and then my mom called the doctor and I was 11 years old at the time my mom called the doctor you know and they told her oh it's a virus you know just wait it out blah 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 which is what she did and then it wasn't until like I guess say a month later is when like I started getting the migraines like real consistently that was my first really huge symptom and then it started with the heart palpitations. And I can remember being in gym class at like seventh grade uh-huh. and just doing like one of your running drills. And all of a sudden my heart was racing so bad. I couldn't get to stop. And I ended up going to the nurse. Like I knew something was wrong. You know, it's not normal for a kid at 11, 12 years old to be feeling that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no. So, and it was just little stuff like that. And then, you know, then I started having like knee issues and, ankle issues but the problem was they always kind of chalked it up i was a ballerina so they always of kind course. of chalked it up to oh she's a dancer you know she's going to get injuries and i did have injuries i mean sprained ankles everything yeah. so they didn't nobody ever really took it seriously i mean i went to orthopedic and they never found anything and went to the heart doctor they never found anything but i was already on like a um a beta blocker of like when was it they put me one, I remember, on 14, when I was about 14, just to help slow down the heart palpitation. Right. But they kept telling my mom they felt like it was because I was on so many medications for my migraine, mm. because I was seeing, like, a specialist. I was actually down at Germantown Headache Clinic. Um, they even hospitalized me for, like, a week to try to get the headaches under control. Yeah. Because that was at that point then where they were daily. 
So the mm. headaches were keeping me in bed, keeping me oh. sick, keeping me from school. That's so tough. So that's why eventually by eighth grade, my parents just completely pulled me out of school. It was like end of seventh grade, they pulled me out and then I never went back. Um, so they homeschooled me from seven to 12 because I was just too sick to attend school anymore. And wow. I'm so tired all the time. I could stay awake in class. I fall asleep at my desk. But, you know, everybody chalked it up to the headaches because I have such a long history line mm-hmm. on my mom and dad's side. Of um, on my now, mom's side. Yeah, migraines that, are real prevalent on my mom's side. Do you think either your parents had Lyme? Well, you know, that's just so funny because my doctor has said to my mom, like, her sickest of patients, their parents, usually the mother, was the one that possibly passed it from. Now, my mom's never been tested. Now, she, for her migraines, she didn't get her migraines until her early 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, they started up real bad. Uh, about two, three years, I want to say, before I was born. Mm-hmm. And because she was married at like 21, and then she had me at 24. Now, when she had me, they got better. So mm-hmm. she thought maybe it was just a hormonal change thing. Mm-hmm. Then when she had my sister three years down the line, they came swarming back really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I mean, I remember my mom being in bed all the time with the headaches. They were just so bad. And I remember neighbors coming over to, like, watch us during the day. Because my dad was in real estate, and he owned a couple offices. So he was really busy working. Mm-hmm. So I remember us always kind of having help. Um, but she never had any other symptoms other than the migraine. So it's so hard to say because her dad had them really bad. He had, like, those cluster migraines. Mm-hmm. Her great-grandmother. To this mm-hmm. day, I remember my grandfather saying my great-grandmother was always laying on the couch. And she'd always insist she didn't have migraines. But she'd be, like, out on the couch. You know, I guess it's that old mentality. I'm not sick. Right. But, um, and I even have an uncle that gets them, um, hmm. his are more like seasonal, but he still gets them. And now his son has them. So, you know, it just makes me wonder. And my grandmother, the crazy thing is my grandmother, my mom's mom had health problems her whole life. She got diagnosed with, um, rheumatoid arthritis and a couple mm-hmm. other things. So, you Suspicious, know, my mom isn't always kind of wonder, was it Lyme and not rheumatoid arthritis for her? Yeah. And then she wound up with dementia in her 70s. So that always kind of sparked me and my mom thinking, too, did it wind up, you know, turning to that later down the line or, you know, from that or not? I don't well, know. Enough you know what Dr. On, McDonald says about that. I know he does. I know. And that's the thing. It's like, so my mom and I always kind of wonder, like, (laughs) did it start with my grandmother or did it start with my, you know, my great grandmother? But the funny thing is, because my great grandmother, that would have been on my, my mom's dad's side. So Mm -hmm. that would actually been separate. So could we have had like maybe the genetic history on my grandfather's side and then my grandmother maybe having like Lyme consistently? Because it's funny. um, I know. The first line doctor I saw, Dr. Leslie Fine in New Jersey, she was always convinced that's why my headaches are so bad. She says, I think because you have a genetic setup, not to mention that you have a lot of stuff. She right. Says, I don't think right. your headaches would be as bad if you didn't have both. Right. But she felt like that was what my big well, trigger was. Now, to, Dr. Corson, yeah, I think. Hang on. Not to said. interrupt you here, but I'm going to interrupt you here. Yeah. But don't you feel like Lyme attacks where the weaknesses are? Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. So if you have and a I family predisposition to, to migraines, mm-hmm. then Lyme is going to... Yep. Yep, and that's always been my big symptom. I mean, and it's frustrating because, like, I even started feeling better after I did IV and stuff and um, the homeopathics. When I switched, that was when I got so much better. I felt hmm. such a huge difference. Because hmm. um, I was seeing, like, more, not mainstream, but she, I mean, she was... Definitely Lyme literate near her stuff, but she wasn't really into like the supplements and, you know, really treating the body as a whole and detoxing and things like that. So Mm -hmm. when I saw her, I like just 
plummeted after I first I did great. You know, we had I got diagnosed literally two months before my husband proposed to me, and we just started out with oral. She wanted to do IV, but I I was planning a wedding, and I told her I said I don't really want to walk down the aisle with an IV in my arm. It's not the way I envision my wedding. So I'm like I've waited 15 years, you know, to get better and to get right, out. So I'm like longer. I can wait another six months. Yeah. So you know, she started out on oral, and I actually did great. Yep. For a good year and a half. Yep. And then um, to the point that I was able to finally have a part-time job. And wow. I worked for a year, first time ever. But then I think the stress of working, we were also living with my in-laws all the time. So mm. it was a little stressful, you know, not having our own house and mm-hmm. feeling like we were married. I think that made me relapse a lot because then I just relapsed and I was just like a mess. And then that's kind of when she was like, okay, we can't wait any longer. You got to do I date. Right. right. But then the bad thing was, I think because I wasn't getting you know, the supplementation and things like that. Mm-hmm. I went downhill so quick. Yes. That but I want to say four or five years the treatment. It, it couldn't. Yeah. I was so bad. I got down to like 101 pounds. Oh and I'm like goodness. five, six. And I literally couldn't get food in me. Oh. I couldn't bathe. Like I was in the wheelchair all the time. Was, yep. You know, even my king. I just, it was awful. And that was how it was for us. Probably the first six, five, six years of our marriage. It was just, wow. it was so, so hard. And, you know, and that's why, like, when I got off IV and at that point I had switched to a different doctor because, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't getting anywhere. And I think my parents felt like, okay, we're taking you to this doctor every other week, traveling to Jersey, and you're just not, we're not seeing improvement. Right. So then I heard about Dr. Corson and how she's more naturopathic. Mm-hmm. So when I came to her, I was already on the IV mm-hmm. and she just decided to continue treating me for that for another two years. But that was when she kind of started adding things like, the glutathione IV, yeah, you know, things exactly. like that, um, yep. all the supplements, yep. the homeopathic drops, like yep. the Nutramedics line. And that's when I saw like huge, huge differences. I couldn't believe it because I had never really had that like, oh my God moment. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of when we saw such a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And um, But then, you know, when I got off, I felt like my body still was just not, it wasn't in a state to carry a baby whatsoever. And yeah. that's kind of when we just decided to do the surrogacy. And we just didn't want to wait any longer. You know, we know our parents, they're not, they're not going to be getting any younger. And we just, we wanted to make sure they were able to have a grandchild. And, you know, and my husband's parents are a little older than mine. So that was another thing. And yeah. so that's why we just were like, all right, we're going to do this. But, you know, I think in the back of my mind when we did surrogacy, there was always a part of me that was like, could this happen? Could mm-hmm. my child get it regardless? Because mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot about it. I didn't know anybody who had done what we were doing in the Lyme community. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was kind of like one of the first, you know, to be doing it. So I think that was a little scary. Yeah. Um, but like my aunt, you know, she was always a healthy person. I, she never had so much of a headache in her life. So, right. you know, we felt like she was healthy enough and we weren't concerned about her having anything, you know, to pass on to the baby. Yeah. Um, but it was funny because after Hannah was born, our doctor said, you know, with her, because she was pumping for us um, even after we had Hannah. Mm-hmm. And, she, you know, she said, you know, I think she's yep. going to be on the safe side. I'd like to have her tested for Lyme. She said, I know she's not symptomatic, but she says, you know very well. I mean, she could be a carrier. And just that's not exactly. Symptoms. Exactly. So that's what we did. And um, ironically, she came back negative. Mm-hmm. And we did the uh because I drew next on her and we did the fry testing. We wanted to do the advanced labs but they said they didn't do uh like breast milk. They don't test that which kinda of sucks but um so we ended up doing that and she came back negative. Okay. But I you know, it's so hard because I constantly go back and forth. Was it my egg? Was it 
it could even been my husband's sperm. He's never been yeah. tested, so yeah. I don't know. That's right. I mean, he was exposed to ticks growing up. He's not a person that gets sick, but I don't, you know what I mean? I have no idea. So I don't know if it could have been that. Um, I know my aunt doctor, every time we've talked to her, Corson is convinced it was my aunt. And the reason she told me this is because I have that protomyxoma, and so does Hannah. She so only came hold back. Up, she came back. What, hold up. What is that? Okay. The protomyxoma is another co-infection they found out about, like, I want to say maybe two, three years ago. Okay. And they're just finding a lot of patients with Lyme have that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basically, um, you know, it's just another one of those co-infections, but it's, it's kind of like a video where it's really hard to get rid of. Yep. And they don't really have a lot of, sadly, treatments for it. And apparently, too, she even told me that's, like, the one thing if a mother is to get pregnant, that's something they could still possibly pass on to the kids. They okay. don't have anything yet that they, they can even put a, a woman that, you know, chooses to go through treatment while she's pregnant, they can even put her on anything to prevent it. Hmm. So I don't know if, you know, it was kind of odd because I said to her, I'm like, well, because I saw, you know, I saw the results and I have the cardamyxella and I had the cockabacilli and so did my daughter. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, but she didn't have anything else. She had the Lyme and she had those two things. Um, and she had... um a really a large amount of Lyme biofilm, actually more than what I had. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of crazy because we did the advanced testing on her, the mm-hmm. advanced labs, and I actually like saw the biofilm and I just, I was just, I couldn't believe it, how much she had just, you know, being a newborn baby compared to me. Yeah. So we don't know, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I felt like strongly it could have been for me, mm-hmm. but I think Dr. Corson, in her eyes, she she claims that scientifically there was no way the protomyxoma could have been passed through an IVF transfer mm-hmm. because there's some sort of process that it goes through that I guess would, I don't know if it just would kill it off, but it basically, there's just absolutely no scientifically way it could have been passed from that into my aunt. So she claims my aunt had to have had the protomyxoma um, and the cockapacilli to have given it. To my daughter. Well, it's one of those. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where the more we look, the more we find this stuff, and some people are susceptible because of whatever they can't detoxify properly, yep. or they have additional infections that kind of layer on top of each other. Exactly. And we're just at the tip of the iceberg of understanding this stuff. And I think Lyme is really we pushing are. the medical community to have a second look at infections. I mean, we yes, kind of understood infections mm-hmm. that kill people, and we're kind of taking care of most of those. And there's some scary ones still out there, but for the most part, those oh, are yeah. handled. Now we have to learn to about the ones, the 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 uh, I'm blanking on the word, the ones that uh, you know inhabit us but don't kill us. Exactly, that and I think that's also. what it is. You know, I, I mean, I look at so many patients, and I know that's definitely been my situation where it's like. The Lyme's not even an issue anymore, the Borella, but it's it's the infections and the viruses that go along with that stuff right. that keeps you ill. Yep. You know what I mean? And I'll get better with them. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I had so many that just, you know, totally went into remission. Right. And then all of a sudden, I knew I wasn't well about, I want to say, it was, I remember, it was Hannah's birthday. We were planning her birthday party, her first year birthday party. And I remember not feeling great couple days before her party. And I literally woke up the morning after her birthday party and I knew something was wrong because mm-hmm. I got up. I had a massive headache. I could barely walk again. And I looked at my husband like, oh, my God, everything's back. I was like, I just know it. And then when I went in, you know, everything wasn't, but there was stuff that was popping back up again. So it's funny how I think some things can go away for a while and then certain things will come back, but then other things never have come back for me. Mm -hmm. So 
the one thing I got to say, and I said to my mom, like, I was treating that Babesia for so long. That was one that was so hard for me. Like, the night sweats and terrors, they were so bad for so long. And yeah. that was the one thing if I had to say, I never want to go back to that again. <laughs> okay. And I had a small flare. Oh, my God, it was a nightmare. Because you just don't sleep, nothing. Mm. So, um, you know, it was just awful. But I had, like, a slight flare of that. It was, you know, I think it was, yeah, probably was about a year ago. And, um, but the amazing thing was, I mean, she gave me treatment and within like a week and a half, I felt fine again. Exactly. So I have to say like, exactly. that's the thing. Like people, people are like, do you feel like you wasted your money doing the IV? I said, no, I don't. Because neurologically, those really scary symptoms that I had, like I had these ones where I don't even know how to describe it. She called it locked in syndrome where basically like my body went into almost like a statue position and I, I could hear people talking, but I, you know, I could see them, but I couldn't, I couldn't express my words. I couldn't talk. I couldn't move. It was almost like a, kind of like called Mandy Moore was under her skin. Like I couldn't was in that like claw position. Yeah. And, but I had those episodes for a long time and I think the IV really helped that because I've never gotten that symptom back again. Yeah. So it's like those real scary symptoms I had. I never gotten back again. Right. So I feel like it did help a lot of that. Like my tremors, I don't get them anymore. So uh, to me, it was worth it, but, you know, I do think it's different for everybody. You know, I think there's some people that maybe just don't do as well with IV, but I, for me, it was, I mean, for me, it was a blessing. Yeah. I mean, you know, but like I said, I think I still have some other stuff that is keeping me from getting better. Like, I think a lot of the MTHFR stuff was obviously an issue I wasn't aware about, and well, that, I don't know, hopefully a, not mold exposure. But. It's, it's absolutely a process. It's an absolutely an individual process, and you're doing exactly what you need to do, and you just kind of step by step, and sometimes it's two steps backwards and one step forward and three yep. steps forward and one step backwards. Yep. So, but you're getting to the point me, where, but. like you said, where you have a flare-up, it's not something that's going to set you back three months or six months. It's a, no, know, it's no. like a nor- all, I, I want to say normal sickness. Exactly. And I think, I think, you know, I think it was scary for my family this year because right after my daughter turned one, like around two, it was like that year was not great, you know, but not horrible. But then I remember the one first summer she was two years old, I was like being bedridden again. Mm. And I think that was kind of scary for my family because they Mm -hmm. were just like, okay, well, you were doing great. And now we're back to this again, you know? So they were feeling like, oh, we wasted our money and blah, blah, blah. Like you're back to this, you know? And then my husband's like, now I'm going to work and I'm coming back home and you're still in bed. He's like, we're back to that again. You know? So it was mm. like for them, I think it was hard because they saw me functioning for a while. And then I was right back being yeah. bedroom again, you know, but I said, you know, I, for me, and just because I talked to so many people in the Lyme community, I, I know how it is. It's never, it's not, I mean, I want to say it's going to be cured and it's going to go away, but you know what I mean? Like, I just know it's one of those things you just have to take it day by day and you're going to get your bad times and you're going to get your good times. And so it's like, you know, you just savor the good moments that you have. But I think the hardest part, and I find that with so many patients, is that momentum to keep going and not giving up because mm-hmm. I think you just, you start to get sick of it. You're like, I don't want to take medicine. I don't right. want to eat good. I don't want to do any of that. I just want to live my life. Right. But, you know. So tell me I mean, about your, tell me about your commitment to mother's and your project. I have a strong commitment for that. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, you about know, that. I, well, I think after my daughter was born, I remember kind of feeling a little alone and it wasn't like I couldn't relate to a lot of my friends that had kids, you know, that were healthy, but a part of me felt like I couldn't because I felt like they were able to do the simple things with their kids on a daily basis. So I felt like sometimes it was a struggle for me on my bad days. So I felt like I didn't have anybody to relate to. I didn't have anybody to talk to. 
regarding my daughter's diagnosis. So that was kind of tough. And I knew a lot of the moms in my local support group, um, Monco Lime, you know, and I knew they kind of, I've seen moms come in there, you know, crying about their child's diagnosis. And all I could think was back to when I saw my parents going through that and how we had absolutely nobody. And, you know, and my mom just constantly fought for me, fought with my schools, fought with the doctors. So it just like, I think it just kind of spoke to me after my daughter was born that this is just really what I needed to do because, you know, I found myself finding support through some of these women I was meeting on just on Facebook and, um, you know, and I finally said to them, would you guys be open to me starting a group? And they just loved the idea. And it kind of just took off from there. And I just was looking at it more as a group for support. But now, you know, I really kind of am trying to build it into, um, you know, a website more catered to moms and um, just getting them through the daily challenges of being a mom sick and watching, you know, your children sick and how you deal with that and just giving them, I think the right information and just the support they need. Um, and like, I would love to do stuff for these kids too. It's like, I think back to when I was sick, I felt very isolated and alone and, you know, I lost a lot of friends and, you know, it's hard for kids at that age, 13 years old, to understand why their friends sick. Yeah, so it's totally. like looking back, you know, I understand now as an adult, but back then, you know, I was yeah, you're not, and angry. Right. And, they're not adults. They're, they're yeah. children. Their brains aren't no. formed. So exactly. So, you know, I felt, alone and you know isolated and yeah and honestly had it not been for my sister um you know i don't think i would have had much of a social life because mm. she was always great about if i had a good day taking me out with her friends um you know so her friends have always been my friends which i think is to this day why we are so close i don't even know if we'd be as close had i not gotten sick right so um but yeah it was just one of those things after my daughter got born and i mean even though she's relatively healthy um, she's not doing bad. I mean, we started treatment with her immediately after talking to our doctor. Um, but we had to stop after about a year and a half. We were just really struggling getting these medications in her. And I'm like, this is pointless because we were doing some of the protocol and not the other half because I couldn't get the other half in her. And then that was just making her sicker. Right. So we said, let's take a break a little bit. So, um, I would like to start back up with her again soon, but she's relatively been doing really good. I've really only seen digestive issues with her and that's it. So I'm blessed that way. Or I see these other mothers going through, you know, horrific things with their kids. Yeah. Um, I also realized, too, after going through all that, there's just not enough awareness out there, too, for these families that want to have kids. Mm. And, you know, and I think the problem is, too, in the Lyme community, I see such different views. Like, I see some parents saying, oh, you know, I think after their experience, they're like, they don't feel like anybody should ever get pregnant having Lyme. And then I see these other, you know, moms being like, well, I want a family. Why should I not be able to have a family because I have this disease? Yeah. So I kind of realized, too, there was no lack of support for some of these moms that wanted to start a family. And I, I did feel for them because I know I always wanted to have a family that was like I was never that career driven person. I just wanted to have kids and get married and, you know, be a stay at home mom if I could. So, you know, I understood that need for wanting a family and wanting to be able to carry your own child. Um, so that's a really so big it's like, issue. You know, it is a big issue. And I mean, and I understand it, but I also think now after going through what we went through and trying to do it a different way, mm -hmm. I also think that if you're seeing a doctor that knows what they're doing during that pregnancy, like how my doctor is, I think, you know, your chances of having a healthy baby and, you know, it'll be good. But I also think if you're going with somebody that doesn't know what they're doing and you're not, you're not doing, you know, the typical protocol they talk about for women pregnant, then you know, yeah, then I think you're taking that huge risk. Um, but I've seen a lot of great results in my mom's group. Like I have 
a handful of moms that have had kids in the last um, couple years that went through treatment like I did, and all their kids are fine. I haven't had one mom that's come back with it um, where their kids have been sick. The only thing I've seen is some of them have maybe had a little bit of a small relapse, maybe a month or two, and then they're back on their feet again. That's really the only thing I've seen, not not related to the kids' health, mm-hmm. but more the mom's health. Right. But, um, you know, I do think if you're... I think if you're with somebody that knows what they're doing, I think, you know, you have a better idea. I don't think, you know, I've had a discussion with my parents after everything and my husband and I thought, you know, we went through everything and then I think, look what happened, you know, to me with my daughter. So it's like, I don't feel like it should stop anybody from having a family, but I do think you need to be careful and you need to be aware that, you know, these infections can be passed on. And right. Right. I right. think if you do it the right way and you plan it the right way, you know, mm-hmm. you get the husband tested, you get tested, you, you get on, you know, a certain protocol and before you start trying and then, you, you know, you stay on a protocol while you're pregnant. I think, you know, it works out well. I've seen the results, but I think if you're not being, if you're being careless about it, I think, you know, then that's where you're going to, you know, come into some problems down the line. But, um, right. Well, the same with, I mean, I with being outside it, in the woods, right? It's not, we're not exactly. going to get rid of all the ticks in the world or get rid of Lyme, no, I, but we no. need to be aware no, of think, it and responsible for it. Exactly. And I think that's the thing. You just need to take the responsibility. And I think, you know, it's funny after my story got out, I had so many people coming to me wanting to do surrogacy. And I said, listen, you know, huh. this is what happened to us. I don't know if it came from me. I don't know if it came from our surrogate. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm giving you the information. You know, and I just kind of tell people, I just give them a warning and tell them what happened and, you know, do what you want with it, you know, but I think, you know, as I say, I mean, my husband and I have always talked about the idea of having more, you know, if my health gets better, but, you know, I have the same fears. I, I actually fear more now about the idea of me relapsing bad versus I think the baby getting sick because only because I know I'm with a doctor that knows what she's doing. And I mean, she's, you know, she's talked to me about it and she said, I think you'd be fine. You know, I don't think you'd have any issues, but she feels the same way I do. Like she's more concerned about my health. Um, right. What's well, a huge you know, stress on a woman yeah. to have a baby? Exactly. And then if exactly. add Lyme on top of that? Yeah. And know. that's what I think scares me the most. Yeah. Um, you know, because I mean, I've seen her, take, you know, I've seen her, you know, take care of tons of patients, you know, and get them through their pregnancy and they've been fine. But it does scare me because I've had these little relapses. So it's like, you know, it's hard. It's hard not to want that big family that I've always wanted. But mm-hmm. you know, and my husband and I said, "Well, if it comes down to it, we just have Hannah, then we have Hannah." You know what I mean? But right. you know, I still hold out hope that maybe there will be a point where I might be healthy enough to get pregnant. But you know, right now, I'm just taking it day by day. Um, right. But yeah, this this group, yeah, that's. That, I think the group's really just turned out to be something great. So yeah. Um, so what? How can people get hold of you? Is Facebook the best way? Um, yeah, they can they can go into uh, the moms group. It's called uh, Lonnie Moms Unite. Um, and what I just actually started now too was a um, it's a social group um, I'm doing in the Montgomery County Bucks County area mm-hmm. of PA where we haven't had our first meeting yet. We're going to have it on June 14th, but where we're getting the moms together just in a social atmosphere. We'll, we'll sometimes we'll, we'll have our kids come other times. It's just going to be us moms. And it's just to get together outside and just, you know, just support one another. And just, you know, we're going to be actually meeting at just like a Panera bread, um, you know, it's for lunch. And I'm trying to get that started. My, I, my goal, which I would love, but you know, it would depend on other moms is maybe we could get in other States and other counties, um, you know, moms to maybe take over some of these, 
these groups and be able to like do something like that. You know, they have like in their area, you know, their own social mom group and they go out and do their own thing. And, you know, and I, you know, I talked about it with some of the moms and they loved the idea, but it would, obviously I would need other people in other areas to step up and take that role to do it. Right. So but, if there's, you know, I have a, I have if somebody's ideas, interested so. in doing that, should, what is the, uh, excuse me, the Facebook page the best way or? Yeah. They could, they could contact me on the Lamy Moms Unite. That's fine. Um, they can even contact me on my Facebook page. That's fine. I mean, I get people contacting me on my regular personal page all the time. That's not a problem. Um, and I did start the group. I did start that group. Um, the problem is I'm having issues with Facebook right now. They actually kicked me out of it as an administrator. So I'm trying to fix the problem right now because I haven't Why? been able to. I have no idea. It was the weirdest thing. I went on the one day and I'm like, well, that's weird. I'm like, I can't do anything on it. And it was because um, I called it, uh, what was it? The, I called it Limey Mom Social Club of Bucks and Montgomery County. Uh-huh. So I went on and I'm like, well, that's weird. I'm like, I don't. You know, I don't see me. And I saw actually I had to ask one of my members to, like, add me back into the group so I could figure out what was going on. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I might have to create just a whole new one just because I can't seem to fix the problem. And I contacted Facebook and they're not fixing it. So huh. I don't know. So it's kind of messing things up for me because I can't really even edit anything, even our events or anything like that. So, so it's kind of a problem. So we'll see. But I'm hoping to get that fixed. But, yeah, if anybody wants to contact me, they can contact me through my personal page or they can just... That, that's fine if they want to contact me through the um, Lamy Moms Unite group, too. That's totally fine. And I have all that info. Um, I did post the links and things like that on uh, my um, Lime Away group page, and I can even send it to you, too. That's not a problem. Sure, I'll be so able I actually to started. I started meeting so many moms in different areas that I ended up having to make like business card like things with the links on it because I <laughs> found myself writing it down all the time. And I was like, why do I not just have cards? This would be so much easier. So That's I started great. doing that. Um, and I do have a Twitter page too for the Lamy Moms Unite as well. So and I'll just sometimes I just post info and stuff for the moms on there. My hope and goal is to just create a website just based on that. And I did kind of start it. I just haven't been able to work on it a whole lot this year, just with me having a little bit of a setback. But um, my goal is to really kind of get that up and running. I'm hoping and hoping by maybe next winter I'll be able to have that up and running. But, um, you know, I just have a lot of ideas. But I just think it, I think it helps just to have that that base for these moms, you know, just to be able to support one another. And I think the nicest compliment I've gotten from all these moms is telling me that my, they feel supported in the group. They feel like they're not judged. So whether they're talking about getting pregnant or, or they are, or, you know, they're just coming in and just learning their kids got sick. They don't feel like the moms are judging each other on the decisions they make as parents. And that's huge to me mm-hmm. because I think that is what's hard. And I know that a lot of them have complained. They've seen that in other groups where they feel judged when they say, Oh, I want to have a baby. You know, people just kind of come down on them. Right. That's probably the biggest compliment I've gotten from them. And they just always say, you know, it's drama free. They don't feel like, you know, there's any of that. So they, you know, that makes me feel good. Cause that was my whole purpose that they felt like they had that safe place to come to and not feel like, being judged yeah. for their actions or, yeah. you know, just to get vital information. Yeah, that's so. fantastic. Allison, you've been so kind with your time. I really appreciate it. We're oh, sure. Wrap, no problem. Wrap up here. If you have any of those links, you can email to me. That'd be great. I'll make sure they yes, get I can, put on yep, the page. I can do that. Yep, I can do that. I can either send it to you on Facebook or I can send you your email. Terrific. Thanks yeah, so much. Okay. No problem. I appreciate you just getting the word out and stuff to get help. You know, I always say we got to do all of this together. Absolutely. Otherwise, we're not going to get changed. That's right.
Got to keep well, thank you. It was so nice talking to you. All right. I'll let you know when this goes live. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Allison. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Listening to Allison's story again made me think about control and specifically, specifically how much we try to take control back from Lyme disease. Because, for example, with Allison, with her, with her pregnancy, it's like she did everything under the sun because she was so worried about her baby, um, developing Lyme disease. And, you know, she had, she had a surrogate mother and all of that. And, she, and her baby still tested positive for Lyme 14 days after her birth. So it's just, it's incredible to me sometimes. I'm just blown away that after, all of the steps that we can take and all of the measures and no matter how careful we are, this thing still comes in and sneaks in and is like some very old you yes, sucker. <laughs> a very wise man to me said once, life is fired at you point blank. You can't duck. What 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 happens it happens. And there is the illusion of control. We like that, right? My my dad had colon cancer and the surgery and has recovered from it quite well. And one of his comments was, I'm not the kind of person who gets colon cancer. Says who? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you've got it, dad. You know, no offense to you, but, and what he meant was, you know, he, he thought he was living a fairly healthy lifestyle and maybe he was, and maybe he wasn't, you know, we're not going to get into the nitty gritties of that. But that happens just because you eat the healthiest in the world, exercise the best way possible, whatever that is, doesn't guarantee anything. It just lessens the risk. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are just unlucky. And you can call it luck. You can call it cursed. You can call it whatever you want to. So, yes. So, does that mean, oh, it doesn't matter? Let's throw up our hands. Let's just eat bonbons and play in the middle of the street. No, cause the healthy behaviors do reduce your risk. It's just, excuse me, not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. It just makes things less likely. And I mean, chances are we are going to get sick. I was cruising along happily till my arm went completely limp. And because I'm relatively healthy, Recovery is probably going to happen. No, it, I know it. It is. It's happening now. Mm-hmm. If I had been allowed my blood sugar to get out of control and I was borderline diabetic, it might not. It might not. So, part of the reason why you take care of yourself is to prevent these things. But in the absence of prevention, is to then help with the cover, recovery and just give yourself a stronger base. And usually people just feel better when they're taking taking care of themselves as well. It's the long-term, low-grade pleasure of just feeling good rather than the short-term pleasure of eating that bonbon. <laughs> and this is a conversation I have with my patients many times because many of them do get quite upset that something does happen to them, something serious after they've been taking care of themselves. And people who come to acupuncture usually are fairly health-conscious. Okay, And that also, just want to let you know, this is a follow-up 
interview, we wanted to really give a yin and yang aspect on different approaches that women have taken with having Lyme disease and motherhood. And last week's episode number 145 with Robin Shirley really takes a completely opposite approach to it. And we're not saying one's right and one's wrong. We're just exposing you to different ideas and different people who are successfully negotiating this, we believe successfully. Mm -hmm. And successfully meaning not that everything works out perfectly, but that their lives are intact and their families are intact and they're able to move together and put together a life for themselves. And they're feeling empowered because of it. Yes, and they're feeling empowered, right? They're not feeling a victim of Lyme disease. Very good point, Aurora. Yeah. All right. Also... Please head on over. Yeah, we're wrapping things up now. Please head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and check out our Brainwave Breathing. Brainwave Breathing is this wonderful little technique that we've put together. It's our own invention. It combines a couple of ancient breathing techniques. It helps clear the brain, balance the left and right hemispheres, oxygenate your blood. It does all kinds of great things. It's very easy to do. You can do it while driving, although we don't <laughs> recommend that. It, it's it's really a wonderful technique to help boost the brain. If you're having a little bit of brain fog, it can help clear that. So just go on Go on over, go on over, go on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and you'll see a splash page there and just fill out your details and you'll get a recording on how to do it. You'll get the cheat sheet to remind you how to do it. Lots of great tools to help you with the Lime Ninja brainwave breathing. Okay, Aurora, last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know ninjas don't use staplers? They just press the paper together with a kung fu grip, and the paper just sticks. Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.